Hey, Northridge, how are you guys? So good to see you. Uh, so glad you're here, especially if you're a guest. We're just honored that you'd be here. Maybe you came to uh, one of our Gloria Christmas shows, or maybe you came to Christmas Eve and you thought, hey, I need this to be a part of my life on a regular basis, and you're kind of starting off the new year, right? We are just uh, so honored that you're here. My name is Pete, by the way. I'm one of the pastors here at Northridge. And again, we hope you just feel right at home. How many of you were here last weekend? Yeah, uh, if you weren't here, then you need to go online and watch last week's message. Pastor Andrew Hamilton did a fantastic job, and uh, it really was. It was a great sermon. Uh, I was watching it online with my wife, and uh, when it finished, she turned to me and she said, that's the best message I've heard in a long time. I said, I said, really? Like, how, how good was it? Like, tell me, please, tell me more. I'm a little sensitive about that because about a month ago, I'm in our bedroom, right? And I'm doing some cleaning, and I never look under our bed, but I did look under our bed, and there was a shoebox. And I'm like, it was on her side of the bed. I'm like, why does she have a shoebox underneath the bed? I was like, maybe, you know, it's before Christmas. Like, maybe she bought me, like, a new pair of shoes. So I took a little peek. Well, I look inside. And this is great. There were four eggs and then a bunch of cash, like just a bunch of random like dollar bills and stuff. It was $61 in cash. I counted it. And so <laughs> I go to her and I'm like, Jordan, what is up with like this box and like four eggs? What what why do you have four eggs in a box? She's like, all right, I was hoping you would never find that box. But since you did, I'm going to tell you. She said, every time that you give a message where you just lay an egg and it's just bad, I put an egg in the box. <laughs> I said, all right, like, you know, it hurt at first, but then I started to do the math. She's probably heard hundreds of messages. So I'm like, four, that's not bad. Like, you think about it, like, you're not going to hit a home run every time, right? So I'm okay with that. I said, by the way, $61, what's that about? She said, oh, every time I get a dozen eggs, I sell them. There's, there's, there's dad jokes and then there's preacher jokes. Like they're, they're even worse, right? I bring that up because uh, my wife and I get the opportunity to speak here in a couple weeks. Uh, so two weeks from this past Friday, so a week from the coming up Friday, uh, we have what we call a Women's Connect Night. We do a few of those a year here at Northridge. It's a great time for women to gather and just have some great fellowship and worship together. Jordan and I are going to be speaking at it. We've never spoke together ever. So we don't know what we're going to talk about, but we're going to figure it out. And uh, I promise you it will be raw and real, and we're going to have a good time. So if you're a lady here at Northridge, a week from this coming up Friday, you can sign up for the Women's Connect Night. Uh, just go to northridgechurch.com slash women, and uh, you can sign up for that. We'd love to see you there. We're going to have a, have a really good time, I'm sure. So I'm really glad you guys are here because we're starting a new series today called In With The New. And that's a phrase that you hear a lot this time of year, right? Out with the old and in with the new. And I love this time of year because this is a time of year where people, some people who don't think about this any other time of the year, this time of year, they start thinking strategically about their life, about what they want their life to look like. They're thinking about the things that they need to stop. They're thinking about the things they need to start. They're thinking about the things they need to amend in their life in order to, you know, have a better life moving forward. And if I were to ask you, in fact, I will ask you, how many of you, raise your hand on this, 
want 2024 to be better than 2023? Raise your hand. Yeah. I mean, even if you had a good year last year, hope inside of you says, I think next year could be better. And I believe that too. Uh, 2023 was a good year. Some things I would like to change about it, but all in all, it was a good year. And when I think about 2024, I'm even more excited about it because I know that there's a possibility of amazing greatness that are going to happen over the next 365. Somebody correct me. It's a leap year, right? 366 days. Is that right? So we get a, you get an extra day. That's cool. I don't even know what that really means. But uh, 366 days, whatever. You're thinking about that strategically and what you want it to look like. The problem here that I have is this. A lot of people go into this year thinking 2024 is going to be better than 2023, but the reality is, unless you change some things up in your life, the way you organize your life, the way you think about your life, the way you focus on the things you want to pursue, the reality is 2024 is not going to be that much different than 2023. It's going to be a whole lot of the same unless you do something different strategically. So... Part of what I get to do in my life is I get to coach individuals who are trying to have a high impact with their life. And so I coach some CEOs, some entrepreneurs, some entertainers, some athletes who have already accomplished a lot of great things in their life, but for some reason they might feel a little bit stuck and they want to go to the next level. And one of the interesting things that I find about highly successful people, and it's kind of hard to see this when you're in the middle of it, and I have to constantly remind them of this, is that what got you to where you are today is not what's going to get you to the next level, right? And so obviously they're gifted, whether it's at athletics or whether it's at leading or managing people or coming up with new ideas and products that could change society, but almost everybody gets to that point where they get stuck, And they're like, I want to go to the next level, but I don't know how to get to the next level. And it's because they're using all these tools and resources that they've had from their past. And honestly, this is interesting. The more successful you are and the more the things that you've used in the past have gotten you to a great place of success today, the easier it is to lean back on those things and think that those things are going to continue to work for you. But they don't, right? It works until it doesn't work anymore. So I'm always having to remind them that, hey, you can't lead the same way and get to the next level. You can't manage in the same way and get to the next level. You can't practice your skill at whatever it is you're trying to accomplish and think that you're going to get to the next level if you do it in the same way. You can't think about your business. You can't think about your life. You can't think about your career or your skill set in the same way. It all has to change. And so this idea of new year automatically means new you is really a bunch of bull, right? It's just going to be more the same if you don't change up some things about how you approach your life. And my experience is that the vast majority of people approach life from what I call a default mode, all right? And when you approach life from a default mode, it means basically you're just showing up passively, right? You just show up passively. Uh, You show up passively to the people around you. You show up passively to your job. You show up passively when it comes to your spiritual gifts or your church. You just kind of show up and you let life and circumstances unfold. It's almost like a victim mindset, right? Of like, life's going to do what life's going to do, right? I'm just kind of here along for the ride. And it's interesting because Christians fall into this trap real often and they'll say things like this, like, God's just going to do what God's going to do. 
Why do I set any goals? Why would I change my priorities? Why would I change up a strike? God's going to do what God's going to... And listen, I, I believe that. I do believe that God is going to do what God is going to do. But I also believe that God has given you a gift, and it's called life. And when you realize that the very air you're breathing right now is a gift, when you realize that the next breath of air you take is a gift, God's giving you this thing called life. And the way you steward that life the way you steward your time, the way you steward your energy, the way you steward your gifts and your abilities, the way you steward that really matters. And I think it starts with just realizing that the very life you have is a gift. Psalms 39 reminds us, Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. I think that's, that's so much wisdom in that, right? The psalmist is saying, God, just remind me because it's so easy, isn't it, in life to just start to think you're gonna be here forever? I mean, we know we're not, but we start to just think, yeah, this, this thing called life, I'm, I'm just always going to be here. I'm always going to be married to this person. I'm always going to have these kids. I'm always going to have this job. I'm just, he says, remind me. My time here on this earth, it's brief. Remind me that my days are numbered, how fleeting my life is. You have made my life long, no longer than the width of my hand. My entire lifetime is just a moment to you. At best, each of us is but a breath. Now, some of you may read that and you find it discouraging or depressing, like, oh, no. I don't. I look at that and I, and I think to myself, wow, I only have a certain number of days here on this earth. I don't know how many days I have. Like, I have an idea in my mind of how long I want to live, but it's really not up to me. There's so many other factors that could come into play, but I have this life and I have this day and I'm going to steward this life and I'm going to steward this day and steward this time in the best way possible where I'm becoming the person that God created me to become and I'm bringing him glory through my life and through my actions. Now, when you think about New Year's goals and resolutions, the vast majority, like if we were to go to lunch and I were just to ask you, tell me, what are your resolutions for this year? Probably only about half of you would have any at all, which is fine. But those of you who did have them, probably I could predict a lot of them. Some of you have said going into this year, you want to exercise more. I think that's great. Some of you said, man, I want to get better quality sleep this year. That's going to be the key to making this, you know, 2024 different than 2023. Some of you uh, want to eat healthier, right? Like, am, am I hitting some of your goals right now? Some of you want to cut back on alcohol. Some of you maybe had a really bad year and you want to add some alcohol. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Another bad preacher joke, sorry. Um, you have these ideas, these goals, these resolutions, and they're good. I have some of those very similar goals to that too. Most of the goals that we set going into New Year are all about adding years to our life. And I get that. I understand that. Like, I, I, I want to be here and be healthy as long as I possibly can be. But what we're talking about in this series, which I'm just kind of setting up, today's just a setup to where we're going to go over the next six weeks, all right? What we're talking about in this series is not so much how to add years to your life, but how can we add life to your years? How can we make sure that the time that you have on this earth as a human being, as a man, as a woman, as a husband, as a wife, as a friend, as a student, how can you use that time in a way that gives God glory and you live the life that, you, that God's designed for you to live? Now, the challenge is this. I brought some props along to help us. I'm a very visual person. I remember very little in life that anybody tells me if it's not attached to some kind of visual. 
And this is a visual I've used before. You've probably seen this illustration. It's not original to me. It's used in lots of different ways. But for the purpose of today, this jar is just going to represent a 24-hour period of time. All right, this is just a day in your life. We all have the exact same amount of time in the course of a day. It's 24 hours, okay? So there's that. The rice represents just all the activities, right? All the stuff that you have to do day in and day out. So let's just kind of walk through your typical day and just think about some of the things you spend your time in. Uh, first of all, a lot of you work. You probably work 40, 50, some of you 60 hours a week. You're having to go to meetings. You're jumping on Zoom. You're having to put out crises at work. You're having to manage your boss who has crazy expectations. You got to spend a lot of time at work, right? A lot of time. Uh, and then on top of that, you got to sleep at some point, right? You're going to sleep six, seven, maybe eight hours a night. That's going to take up a lot of time. Then you just got all the little like personal things you got to do, right? You got to get up, you got to take a shower and fix your hair and brush your teeth, floss, like, like maybe floss, right? <laughs> Does that, like, I, I feel guilty about this. I just don't floss that much, y'all. I just don't, I, how many of you floss every day? I feel even more guilty now. I really didn't think anybody actually did. I floss like twice a year, and it's, it's, it's the day I'm going to get my teeth cleaned. And I know he's going to ask me, Pete, have you been flossing? And I can look him in the eyes and say, yes, today I did, right? So, okay, sorry, getting distracted. You got household stuff, right? You got to buy food, fix the meals eat the meals, clean up after the meals, you got laundry, somebody's got to mow the grass, you got all these kind of things, you're going to have some social obligations along the way, things you got to go and do, some of you are single, you got to make time to go out on dates, some of you have kids, raise your hand if you have kids, you know, <laughs> it's like, they're the biggest time suck ever, like, you, you basically don't even feel like you ha you're running all the time. You're taking them to this. You're waiting in the pickup line. You got all those kind of things that are going on. Then on top of that, listen, you just, again, life has a way of throwing all kinds of things at you. All these different emergencies come up. Your car breaks down. You got to take care of that. You find out your in-laws are coming in for another long visit, and you're just like, oh, you got to be kidding me. Kids get sick, right? You got all these things that just add up that fill up every single day, right? And it's just stuff, all the stuff of life that we have to do to just kind of keep things moving forward. So there's this one day that Jesus is talking to a group of people who are all worried about this. They're just worried about all the stuff of life. They're worried about where their clothes are gonna come from. They're worried about like where they're gonna get their food. They're just worried and stressed about the things that you and I tend to worry and stress about. And this is what Jesus said to them. This was his instructions. Pastor Andrew actually used this verse last week too. I'm gonna go into it a little deeper to spend some time on this. But he said this. He said, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. So he said, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And then all this other stuff that you worry about, guess what? It's going to be added to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow is going to worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own, to which most of us would say, amen to that, right? Plenty of trouble. So he says, basically setting up this concept, right? Seek first 
the kingdom of God and his righteousness. In other words, what he's saying when he says seek first is that there's some things in life that matter more than others. Not saying that work and taking care of your kids and cleaning your house and mowing the grass and all your personal hide, not saying that those things aren't important, but what Jesus is getting to when he says seek first the kingdom of God is that there's some things in life that matter more than others. And you gotta get that. You have to understand that principle to get what this whole In With The New series is really all about. There's some things in life that matter more than others. It's, it's an interesting thing of being a pastor. Uh, one of the, I guess I'll call it an honor, I, I believe it is an honor, uh, it's a little uncomfortable sometimes, but one of the honors that you often get is when somebody is at the end of their life, like, and they know it, right? Maybe it's cancer, or some other kind of illness, and they literally know they probably have weeks, maybe months, days left. Families often want to have a pastor that's present in those last moments. And I get that. I totally understand why they would want that, why it would bring them comfort. And over the years, there have been dozens of times that I've been there in somebody's home or in a hospital room, and it's, it's it. Like, this is it. Like, there's days, maybe hours. And I've always, over the years, been keenly interested in those individuals and how they viewed life. Because what I've noticed over the years is that they view life quite different in those final days. It's like they have this, it's like a veil's lifted and they have crystal clarity on what really matters in life. You can understand that, right? If somebody told you you got a week to live, so much of this stuff that you worry and stress about every day, so much of this stuff wouldn't matter, would not matter. And instantly, you would have this clarity about what really matters in this life. And it's been interesting to watch that over the years. And what it's helped me understand is, hey, if what matters at the end of your life doesn't matter now, it means your priorities are misaligned, right? They're misaligned. So I'm going to talk for just a few minutes, and I have... uh, some tennis balls here we're going to use to illustrate this. I want to talk a little bit about what are some of the things that really matter in life. And I don't want to project what I think really matters on you, although I think that many of these things are, are all these things are scriptural. Uh, you might have a different priority order or whatever, but I'll just, I'll just talk about me for a second, and if it identifies with you, great. But the first thing that really matters to me, I'm going to write on this Hmm. It's always great when they give you a backup pen. It's like, why'd they put two pens in there? I was like, oh, now I know, okay. So prepared around here. I'm gonna put a T on this tennis ball and it's gonna stand for transformation. When I think about my life, when I think about 2024 and the things that really matter, one of the things that really matters to me is transformation. See, I believe that the Bible talks a lot about this idea of growing progressively to become more like Jesus. And if I'm honest with you guys, when I look back on 2023, I realized I didn't have a lot of the personal growth that I wish I had. Um, I had good intentions, I think, but I got into this year and life happened and this crisis happened and that crisis happened and I had to put this fire out and that fire out. When I look back on 2023, I did not have the personal spiritual growth that I really wish I had. You know, I didn't like slip 
way back. It's not like all of a sudden I decided I don't believe in any of this anymore or anything like that, nothing like that. Right? I was going through the motions, but the reality is there wasn't a whole lot of transformation in my life. That's not on God, that's on me. And it's on my priorities and it's about how I've structured my life. Romans 12 says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, which is really what happened to me last year. I just got caught up in a pattern, just a pattern. Here, this is what we do, right? And there's so many patterns. When we talk about the activities and the things, I didn't even get into this, but a lot of what fills up our time are things like hobbies, right? Watching this, watching that. You know, uh, the latest statistics going into 2024 say that the average American has six hours and 58 minutes of screen time a day. That's a whole lot of rice, right? Six hours and 58 minutes a day that you're doing this or you're doing this, watching Netflix. Like, again, nothing wrong with these things. I'm just telling you, for me, I got caught up in the pattern of this world. It says, but be transformed. That's that transformation idea. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The scripture is a great reminder that transformation in your life is absolutely possible. It's actually an expectation of the New Testament that over time, the longer we follow Jesus, we start becoming more like him. We think more like him. We love more like him. We forgive more like him, right? And it's a progressive Christ-likeness in our life that I feel like for me was kind of on pause last year, and I wanna make it a priority this year. I wanna be serious about this. You don't have to be who you were yesterday. That's the beauty of the gospel. I talk to people sometimes that are like, I'm just, I'm just a bitter person. I've always been a bitter person. I hold grudges. That's just who I am. No, it's not. It's not who you have to be. You don't have to just roll over and accept that, right? If that's not working for you and leading towards a beautiful God-given life, then let's look at what are the things you need to surrender to the Lord and see some transformation in those areas. So that's a big one for me. Another one for me when I think about this year, I'll put an L on this tennis ball, is love. I think when you boil it all down, this is so key. Remember I was telling you about um, those moments that you're with people in the final moments of their life? It's always very interesting to me. It's clear to me that in the final moments of your life, what will matter the most is people. It's people. It's the people you loved and the people that loved you. And the number of people in that room is probably going to be smaller than you think. I'm never in a hospital room or at somebody's home with hospice and there's like 150 people there. Never. It's usually five, maybe six, sometimes 10 if it's a big family. But it's people. People are what are gonna matter at the end of the day. And there's a a list of questions that I, it's about 30 questions I ask at the end of every year. And these questions for me help me set up how I wanna structure and organize the next year. And so I was doing that a couple weeks ago. One of the questions I have on my list is who in your life needs more attention this next year? So I spent some time just kinda thinking and praying about that and it was real evident for me. It was one of my sons who's transitioning into adulthood at times makes decisions that I probably wouldn't make in this stage of my life. I probably made the exact same decisions back then. But if you've ever had a child who's getting older and maybe they've made some decisions or gone in some directions or explored some things uh, that, that you didn't think were best for them, you know it breaks your heart. 
And so I was just thinking about this, you know, because I, I had this thing about parenthood. I just thought you kind of raise your kids so they were 18 and you're like, good luck, buddy. Have fun out there in the real world. But that's not the case at all, right? And I'm learning that. And I just thought, you know what? This kid, he needs my attention this next year. It's a key year for him. It's a pivotal year. I need to lean in on that. He needs my attention. He needs my love. If he's willing to accept it, he needs my guidance. And I just thought, man, if I get to the end of this year and I haven't loved him well, and I haven't loved the people around me well, if I haven't loved my wife well, if I haven't loved my friends well, who cares what I filled my days up with? Who cares what I accomplished? Who cares what pats on the back I might get from everybody else? Because those at the end of the day are not the people who are gonna be with me in my final days. And so maybe that's a good question for you just to ask yourself right now. Who in your life needs more attention from you in 2024? Scripture puts it this way. First Peter says, above all else, Again, there's this, that's that concept, right? That there's some things in life that matter more than others. Above all else, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins, right? And I, I love that it says love deeply. It doesn't just say love, love deeply. And that's one of the things that I love so much about Jesus is that he's with people. And when you look at Jesus, I mean, he had a massive mission, agenda, He's going to go to the cross and sacrifice his life for all of us so that we could experience forgiveness and eternity with him. But if you look at his life, he was never preoccupied. He was never distracted by people. Nope. He, he welcomed what I call these divine distractions to his agenda and to his plan. And he was with people and he loved people well. And it didn't matter if it was religious leaders or government officials or a tax collector or a leper or a prostitute. He was with people and he loved them well. And when I think about my life and how I want to become more like Jesus, I want to love people well this year. So the third thing that matters to me a lot this year, and I'm going to put an F on this tennis ball, and it stands for faith. I want to live a life of faith. I don't, I, don't, I don't want this next year to be full of a bunch of just activities that I know I can do with my own resources and my own gifts and abilities. I don't want that. I want to live a life that's much bigger than me. And I know that the only way that happens is when I connect myself, surrender myself, lean into the power of God in my life. And I think we miss so many moments every single day in our life where God's calling us to trust him and we don't because we rely on our own wisdom and our own resources and our own experiences. But Hebrews 11 says, without faith, it's impossible to please God, right? This faith thing, I think it's a big deal for some of you going into this next year because I think God wants to use you in some ways that probably scare you to death. And it might be a relationship thing, a finance thing, a career thing, I have no idea. But you feel some things bubbling up inside of you. And in fact, it makes you so scared you really haven't even told anybody. You're scared to tell your spouse or your kids because you're afraid they might judge you. And I think a lot of us in Christian circles, we think that there's a small group of people over here who live by faith. And God uses those people in like miraculous ways. These are people like Billy Graham and Mother Teresa and Pastor Brad. And he would, he would kill me for even putting them in that same category. But he deserves to be there. You see these people who have been used by God in these 
unbelievable ways, right? And you think, oh, that's just a small group of like select people that God just kind of tagged them when they were born and said, you're going to do something great. And then there's the rest of us, right? And the rest of us, we just trying to hold it together, right? Just kind of get through the day. Just focus on the jar. Let's fill it up and move to the next one. I don't believe that's the case. I don't believe there's a small group of people who have been earmarked with these special gifts and abilities, and they have some kind of supernatural faith inside of them that allows them to trust God in major ways. I think the reality is inside of every single human being, there's both faith and there's fear. We all have that. Inside of you right now, there's both faith and there's fear. And the question for you is when you come to those intersections in your life that require something more than you have, more resources, more education, Maybe you feel like you're too old or you're too young or maybe you think only somebody who's married that could ever do that. Like you have all these different excuses, right? When you come to that intersection, the question for you in 2024 is do you act on the faith or do you act on the fear? They're both there and they're inside of every one of us. It comes down to you choosing what is it that you're gonna lean into. Are you gonna lean into the faith or are you gonna lean into the fear? Are you gonna trust that God can do something beyond what you could ever do on your own or are you going to cower down to the fear that lives inside of you? It's your choice. But when I think about the things that really matter to me, I want to go with faith. Because the longer that I live, thank you, that was my mom that started that. Uh, the longer that you live, the more you realize that regret stings more than failure. It does, every single time. And in 2024, my prayer for every one of you is that you will trust God in some area of your life that absolutely scares you to death. Now, last one. Woo, gotta hurry up here. That's J. And that stands for joy. Um, when I think about this year, I wanna experience joy in my life. A lot of people don't realize this, but Jesus was all about joy. John 15, he said, I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. See, I think we have this joyful God who created us. We live under these friendly skies and he wants us to actually have joy in our life, right? He wants us to experience all that we experience with joy. I don't wanna miss that. I wanna come in here on the weekends with you guys and when we worship, I'm gonna worship with joy, that we have this God who loves us and cares for us and he is with us, right? That should give us joy. When we open up God's word together and we, and we see how much he loves us and cares for us and he has a plan for our life, that should bring up joy. And I wanna have joy in my personal life. I wanna have joy in the meals that I share with people. I wanna have joy in my friendships, in answered prayers, in spiritual gifts, in days where you could see pretty snow falling. I wanna have joy. I wanna have joy in a round of golf which has never happened for me before. <laughs> but I want it to happen in 2024, right? I, I, I wanna have joy in my life. The problem is this, with all this, I think we could all agree, and if you had four tennis balls, you may put different things on them, but I think we can all agree, there are some things in life that matter more than others, right? And if you take those things that matter more than others and you try to cram them into what is already a jam-packed life, it's not gonna fit, right? Maybe you get one of them in there if you slam it down real hard, but the reality is that it just doesn't fit. And this, my friends, I believe, 
is no small problem. This is a big deal. Because you're going through life day after day after day, year after year after year, and you have this idea that there's some things that really matter in life, but they keep getting shelved because you're so busy just filling it up. And the reality is so many of the things in life that we say matter the most, they require margin. Right? You can't love well or deeply, as the scripture said today. You can't love deeply when there's no margin in your life. You don't have time. You're rushing. You're in a hurry all the time. Right? You, you, it's hard to have joy when you have a jam-packed life and you have no margin in that. And, and this idea of getting your priorities straight, I think it's a big deal for those of us who are serious about following Jesus. C.S. Lewis said, if you live for the next world, you get this one in the deal. But if you live only for this world, you're going to lose them both. And I feel like that's what a lot of us are doing. We're just living for the day, trying to survive, trying to get through, and in the end, we lose out. And most people, when they approach this problem, uh, they approach it from a victim mindset. Like, that's life. Nothing I can do about it, all right? Go tell my boss who's making me work overtime all the time. Go tell my little kids who are pulling on me all day long. Like, you just kind of approach it as if life's happening to you. So some people will say about this problem is, uh, yeah, I agree with you, Pete, but it's not my season, Life's just too crazy right now. Someday, I'll get serious about this. I think someday is one of the most dangerous words in the English language. And some of you have been saying someday, year after year after year. Some of you are like, oh, the problem is I need a bigger jar. Not enough hours in a day. How many times have you said that? Not enough hours in a day. Well, you're out of luck because these things come in 24-hour sizes. That's it. That's all we get. So you gotta decide what you're gonna do about this problem. And I have just a little experiment for all of you as we start the new year. What if, what if you actually took Jesus' words seriously? And what if when Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and everything else will be added? What if you did that? What if you decided you were gonna start each day with making your most important priorities at the top of the list? Even as you went through the day, you were gonna make time to highlight, to focus on all those things that really matter. Is it possible that Jesus was actually right? That, oops, there went a couple. Don't worry about them. That was your in-laws coming for a visit. <laughs> right? What if, what if Jesus was right? right? What if we actually took him at his word and we actually decided we were gonna seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. We were getting serious about, and again, I, I know, it's not like you can just give up all these things you have to do. But what if Jesus is right? Seek him first. And all this other stuff that you're worried about, it'll be added to. It'll be okay. Now, for some of you, I know what you're thinking. You're like, it's too late for me. Like, Pete, I have screwed up so many of these days. Year after year, I've squandered them. It's too late for me. Like, it's kind of almost like laughable, Pete, that now all of a sudden in my life, I'm gonna get serious about becoming the person that God created me to become. But one of my favorite verses in all of scripture, Lamentations 3, says, great is his faithfulness, his mercies begin afresh each morning. The beauty of that, every day you get a blank one. Every day you get a new one and you get to decide 
right? You wake up with his forgiveness and his mercies every morning, and you get to decide what you're going to do with that day. And my prayer for you is that you'll take Jesus at his word that you'll figure out in your life what are the things that you need, what are the priorities you need. And we're gonna talk about a lot of those throughout this series that I think will be really helpful. And my encouragement to you, first of all, is why not just make a commitment you're gonna be here the next six weeks? I know that's a big commitment for some of you. I know that average church attendance in America these days is about once every three weeks. I get that. But what if you said, I'm I'm just gonna try this. The next six weeks, I'm gonna show up at church because I I believe I gotta get this figured out this year. And I wanna become the person God created me to become. I'm gonna commit to that. The second thing I challenge you in is that the average person who tries to do this alone fails. I think this is one of the most important reasons that we have community where we gather and we get around other people who are also serious about trying to seek first the kingdom of God and let everything else be added. And we work really hard here at Northridge to create men's Bible studies, women's Bible studies, couples groups. There's all kinds of things where you can get connected. And we're starting an emphasis that we're going to do over the next three weeks that's called Life is Better Connected. And it's so true. Life is better connected. And when you get connected, you increase your chances of having a successful year of seeking first the kingdom of God. So here's all you got to do. If you have a phone, just pull it out. I mean, most of you already have it out. I can see them. Uh, (laughs) Pull it out. All you got to do is text the word better to 316.16. This isn't committing you to anything. It's just going to give you an idea list of some of the different ways that you can get connected. You could also go to northridgechurch.com slash better uh, to see all that. We would love, we'd love to get you connected. And I'm telling you, it will greatly increase your chances of living the life and having the year that I know you desperately want. So I'd encourage you to do that. If you're online, you can do all that as well. If you're here in Plymouth, Uh, We have a glass room right out there. You can go out to that glass room. There's people in that room that can help you with getting connected. We would love that uh, for you in 2024. All right, let's pray. God, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for allowing us to gather with joy and to worship you. What a great way to start off this year. And God, my prayer for all of us as we go into this new year is that we get serious about living the life that you've called for us to live that maybe this would be the year that we don't just try to cram in those things that we know really matter, those things like transformation and love and faith and joy, that those won't be just an afterthought or an add-on, but that they'll be at the center of the very life that we're trying to create. But God, I know we can't do that on our own. We need your help. We need your power. You promise us that if we stay connected to you, the vine, right, that you're gonna produce fruit through us. And so, God, that is my prayer for each and every one of us as we go into this year. I pray that some people will start a life of faith by just getting connected here. I know that's a big step for some people, and I pray, God, that they'll take that step today, that they'll join us in this life is better connected, whatever that step is, whether it's a study or a group, that they'll just take that step. They'll be surrounded by other people who are trying to figure this thing out, and we can support each other and encourage each other and challenge one another to live the life that you've called us to live. God, we love you, and we're so incredibly grateful for you, for it's in your holy and your precious name that we pray. Amen. Hey, I hope you guys have an amazing week. And oh, can I say one more prayer? Okay, one more prayer. Real quick. Here we go. Dear God, we know that you love football. 
and we know you love the state of Michigan. So be with us tomorrow. Amen. All right. God bless. Y'all have a great week.